Welcome to How to Write Kai Papers, the podcast. I am Dr. Lennart Nacke, an associate professor and the director of the HCI Games Group at the University of Waterloo. It is difficult to turn an exciting research project into a successful Kai publication. This podcast is here to help. This is episode one, interviews from Kai 2019, part one. So I did this wonderful thing that I uh, went to the Kai conference uh, 2019 in uh, Scotland and um, I walked around and asked some senior researchers about their views for uh, writing Kai papers and uh, it's really quite nice to see what came together out of those interviews and I'm just going to present some of these interviews in the podcast today and hopefully it'll give you an idea of what different people are looking for. Um, uh, some of these are people that have worked on uh, the Kai committee, people that have actually worked as papers chairs, uh, people that have worked on uh, editorial boards of journals. Uh, so I think their knowledge together is actually a good overview of what's needed to write Kai papers. And it's just a nice way of tapping into the community and getting some other people feedback on how to write Kai papers. And I kind of wanted to start with this as the first episode because I think that's the, a really good um, way to dive into the depth of writing Kai papers, getting all of these ideas from other people. When I originally created this course for how to write Kai papers, the first thing that I did is I actually ran a survey and got a lot of feedback from senior researchers about what they think goes into writing Kai papers. And this is a similar way of doing this, just kind of trying to get a lot of these researchers together and their feedback and summarizing that feedback for you, for the dear listeners of this podcast, um, hopefully in time as you're writing your Kai 2020 papers. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you enjoy the different interviews that I've done. And um, we'll be back at the end to just kind of summarize things a bit. In this episode, I interview 14 senior Kai researchers. They are Susan DeMay from Microsoft Research, Andres Lucero from Aalto University, Aaron Soloway from Worcester Polytechnic Institute, Efri Law from the University of Leicester, Andy Coburn from the University of Canterbury, Nick Graham from Queen's University, Meredith Ringel Morris from Microsoft Research, Christina Hook from KTH, Anirud Yoshi from IIT Bombay, Annika Wern from Uppsala University, Benko from Facebook Reality Labs, Annan Day from University of Washington, Albrecht Schmidt from the University of Munich, and Derek Rayleigh from Dalhousie University. I ran into all of them at Kai 2019 in Scotland, and they gave me the privilege of interviewing them. They have so many nuggets of advice for this podcast. I'm really excited to let you listen to it. Hey, this is Leonard with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast here, and I am with... Susan Dumay from Microsoft Research. Awesome, and Susan's got lots of experience, years and years of experience with the Kai community, done lots of stuff behind the scenes, and uh, just an amazing person to talk to when it comes to writing Kai Papers. And I just wanted to get some feedback and experience from all those years of experience of being involved with writing papers. Is there anything interesting that you can pass on about the process? 
Yeah, to me, one of the, the most challenging things in, in writing papers in general, and, and really the most important, is to put your work in context. So it's not enough to show all this wonderful data and figures. Those are great if you have them. But really, you want to help reviewers and the broader community just try to, to uh, see where this sits in previous work as well as how it, it fuels future work. And so for me, that's a really important part of it. Part of it is a literature review. Uh, part of it is the framing that you use to set up the problem, sort of what methods are you using, why, and what questions can and can't you answer. So I think, you know, being upfront uh, with this, I always like to do related work at the beginning of a paper, not at the end of a paper. And that just answers questions about what in heck is going on here? Why are people doing this? And so to me, setting it up in a way that's crisp and clear is really the most important thing. It helps people appreciate the results and then think about what comes next. Cool. And what do you think is the worst thing that you could do that gets your paper rejected or that put, like, puts it in absolute danger when it comes to writing a Kai paper? Uh, <laughs> I think there's no, there are many ways to <laughs> fall down uh, those paths. But again, I, I think um, you know, one of the things is, is over-claiming the results. Oh, yeah. So you know, be intellectually honest. Results apply to the, your population, to the tasks you had. And again, be, be, be proud of the results that you have, but don't claim that they solve every problem in the world. So again, contextualize it, describe the results. There's some awesome work on results in most papers, um, but also talk a little bit about the limits and how you'd improve it in, in, um, in various ways. Cool, all right. So, thank you very much. Yeah, Pleasure you, talking to you. Hi, this is Leonard again with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast, and I have with me today Andres Lucero from Alto University. Awesome. So Andres has a great track record in terms of working for Sick Guide on lots of different stuff. Worked as an AC, SC even, I think, as editor for journals, all this, all this kind of stuff. Definitely lots of experience with writing. And so I wanted to ask him, what are the tips that you can pass on to our listeners here in terms of how to write Kai papers? Is there any secret sauce that you use to write your own Kai papers? Yeah, so for me in the beginning, it was very important to first understand the structure of a Kai paper. So uh, just in terms of getting understanding of basic things like the related work. Do you put that in the beginning, after the introduction? Do you put that at the back, after the findings? And so, where do you put it? Uh, in the beginning. <laughs> Good. <that's laughs> But I do I have some call. papers, especially in the beginning, where I would put uh, the related work uh, between the findings and the discussion. And, uh, mm. and that's a different type of, uh, of paper and, and discussion, basically. Um, But that was one thing. And the other thing, especially because I'm a, a non-native English speaker, then basically for me, after I understood the structure, then just getting some tips on uh, just basic writing in terms of, uh, you know, things like uh, signposting sentences, but also just sentences that encapsulate one thing, like one clear idea about uh, how the analysis was done. That was super important just to read other people's papers and understand that, oh, this is a beautiful sentence that basically, uh, yeah, presents um, a transition from one section to another that I could maybe do in my uh, writing in, you know, my native English, in my, I'm, I'm a Spanish speaker, basically. I could do that in Spanish, but doing that in English, okay, this is how it's done in English. So there's, there's differences that it's not just about getting the Kai structure uh, or understanding Kai papers, but also just language um, and language within Kai, uh, which might be different to how you might structure a paper in other disciplines. And do you use a proofreader for your papers at the end to double check? Um, 
sometimes maybe? sometimes yes well, i love that my my, my wife is a, a, an english uh, teacher so she's uh, my secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But she's she's always very jealous because I. I'm, I'm not very good with grammar in any language uh, for different reasons. Um, uh, because basically, I went to. When I was a kid, uh, Spanish was my native uh, tongue. Then I learned French. And then I learned English. But. So my grammar is a sort of mix of things. So my my understanding of, of, of these different languages is very intuitive. And my wife has all the grammar that I don't have, and she's very jealous of, of that because <laughs> because I just get it in an instinctive way. But still, of course, there's always many things to sort of correct. So that's uh, yeah. that's where she can help a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Leonard with the Kai How to Write a Kai Paper podcast and I have with me right now Erin Solovey from WPI, which is in Massachusetts. Oh, it's, what's this WPI? Oh, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. All right, cool. So Erin um, has been really involved in sharing and doing wonderful things and I'm just actually going to let her say what is all the cool stuff that she's recently been doing. Uh, so I'm an assistant professor of computer science at WPI, and I'm a deputy editor of International Journal of Human Computer Studies, and I'm on the CHI program committee. Lots of experience with human computer action and uh, with CHI work. And so, Erin, what do you think is important when writing a paper? What are the things that you focus on in your own papers or any nugget of advice that you could give to our students wanting to write better CHI papers? There are many things. Um, I think that one important thing is making sure that you look at the big picture so you get really, once you've got your results, it's really, sometimes it's simpler to write up the results without thinking about what the bigger implications are and why anyone should care about your results. So I think that's important. And um, I also think that just making sure that you have an organized paper with clear subsections and headings that make sense so that if someone reads your paper very quickly that just by going through the title headings and all the figures they're all very clear and give an overview of your paper even if they haven't read the whole thing any section you think is most important for a kai paper i think the abstract and the conclusions are the key um making sure that those are really clear because sometimes that's all someone will even read and then the figures have to be very clear and tell the story any any tricks on how to edit figures or what makes a good figure uh, at a basic level, all the fonts must be readable, which is not always the case. <laughs> and um, the caption should not just say, the caption should not make the reader think too hard. It should explain what you're supposed to get out of the figure. So what is the takeaway? Not just, this is the results of the study. It should say, you know, from, the, from figure A, we can see that A resulted in B or something like that so that it's very clear cool what's, what's interesting all right thank you very much Aaron. that was great okay thanks hi this is leonard with the how to write kai papers podcast and i have with me today effie law university of leicester awesome and effie has done amazing work in the past lots of committee work lots of work with sikai lots of work in the interaction design space and actually lots of ux work too and lots of experience in editing and writing papers and being on the committees and I just wanted to know what are your tips on writing Kai papers for our listeners? So I think the first important thing is identify a very 
interesting question to look at. So then uh, this question, maybe somebody already explored, but you find an, a diff, diff, uh, different angle. So then maybe you can uh, think, how could you do it better? So I think it's very important to look at the literature review. It's a very thorough job and to see where you can fill the gap. So, and then you can convincingly follow up some empirical um, design to address the gap that you have identified. So this is very critical to look at the literature, identify the gap, and then try to convince, find a method to address the gap. And that's how you find a good research problem as well then, the research problem being that gap in the literature, right? Yes, indeed. So I think, uh, so um, of course it's difficult to find a very innovative questions, but then always there's something that can be done better. So I think this is where with the new insight and methodology and new content. So it's important to find um, the gap in this research because it's hard to find a very groundbreaking research topic. So then, but uh, we, we, we know that with the in new insight and methodology, maybe new tools and new technology, so we can address the question in a different way. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Yeah. Hey, this is uh, Leonard with the How to Write Kai Paper as podcast, and I have with me today Andy Coburn from the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. Awesome. And Annie has done so much work for Kai, so many committee things, just so much experience behind the scenes, writing papers himself, accepting papers, reviewing papers, rejecting papers, the whole gamut of papers. And so obviously I want to ask him, Annie, what do you think makes a good Kai paper? Oh boy, all sorts of different things can make a great Kai paper. Um, one of the clear tips, though, I think would be make your contribution clear. Know what it is that you're trying to... Uh, convince your readership of. Um, broad, more broadly though, boy, that could be anything. It could be a terrific design. It could be a wonderful, insightful experiment. Yeah, uh, Kai's hugely broad. Okay, and do you think there's a risk if you don't choose uh, the right subcommittee that somebody cannot appreciate your contribution enough? Yeah, I think the likelihood that people are going to understand and appreciate your contribution is definitely dependent on it being received by the right people. That's most likely going to happen if you carefully target your paper for the right subcommittee. And what do you think are the main questions you should ask yourself if you don't really know, like, how, how do I actually make a contribution? Are there, like, a couple of questions that you would give people when they're starting to write? Yeah, yeah. I, I love the idea of starting with your 30-word contribution statement. Nice. It astonishes me how frequently... In fact, this happened to me this summer. I asked two co-authors on the same paper, well, what do you, do you just spend a couple of minutes writing your 30-word contribution statement. And the, they both wrote it down, thinking they were writing the same paper. Then they put the two 30-word contribution statements together and they were completely different. So, and, and then the, this great discussion started where they were trying to understand, how did you misunderstand the, what my paper's supposed to be about? So completely. So they, they, at that point, they started to realize they disagreed on what the paper was trying to achieve. And, the, and then they were able to unify their understanding of what they were going to try to achieve with the paper. So th it's only 30 words, but it gives tremendous insight. Yeah. Well, thank you for, so much for taking the time. That was a really good nugget uh, to give to our listeners. Thank you so much, Andy. You're very welcome. Thanks for doing the podcast. <laughs> awesome. Uh, hi, this is Leonard with the Kai How to Write a Kai Paper podcast. And I have here with me today... I'm Nick Graham from Queen's University in Canada. 
Awesome. Well, so Nick has been doing a lot of chairing jobs in the past, and he's got lots of experience in writing kite papers. So obviously, I want to ask him the question, what goes into writing a great kite paper? I think the, the, the most obvious thing is to have a really good idea and a really good treatment of that idea, something that's going to um, get things ex people excited and help advance the science. Um, but in terms of the actual nitty-gritty of writing, um, so from you know having reviewed however many hundreds of papers, um, make sure that the motivation for what you're doing is very clear. Um, often people are so excited about the details of what they're um, writing about that they forget to tell us why it's important or how it fits into the bigger picture. Um, related to that is having very clear research questions that are being addressed in the paper. Um, and a very clear treatment of related work. So it's not simply a case of writing, other people have done things in, in this area and having 40 citations. It's, it's a case of really trying to tease out what is the state of the art in the area and how is your work making um, uh, a forward movement. Um, another one that comes up uh, a fair bit is uh, making sure that the evaluation methods are very clear. So having a proper section actually laying out the experimental design, uh, the procedures followed, the measures that are being used, so that again the reader isn't having to guess that sort of thing. So that would be the main list I would put. Cool. As, is there anything that you would say is uh, really important in terms of um, when the paper goes to the committee, that the committee really scouts, because we always talk about this contribution and the committee really scouts for the contributions. Is there anything to be said about finding the right kind of subcommittee for that? Can, can you choose a wrong subcommittee and can that be bad for your paper? Uh, I think absolutely. Um, and that's part of, you can even do a little bit of research. You know who's going to be on the subcommittee. So you can have um, some choice around who likely ACs are for your work. So read through the list of who are going to be the actual ACs in the subcommittee. And since you work in this area, you will know those people, or at least a lot of them, and pick the one that seems to be your home base. Okay. Just going to make sure that it's all in the right scope. Okay. Thank you very much for those tips. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. And likewise. Hi, this is Leonard here with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast, and I have with me right now... Meredith Ringel-Morris. From... Microsoft Research. Awesome. So Meredith has a great track record in terms of Kai Papers and Kai chairing activities, and I think journal stuff probably too. No, all just, the stuff. All the stuff. Just done a lot of stuff. Just very popular in the community. And I wanted to ask her, so what is her secret sauce? What are the tricks to get a paper at Kai Accepted? Or what does she think is the greatest thing to do for writing Kai papers? Well, I don't know that I'd say there's a trick, but I guess one thing I'd recommend, especially to students who are still in school, is to take advantage of the fact that you're in school to actually take courses in writing if you don't feel that writing is a strength of yours. I think that improving your writing skills in any kind of writing, creative writing, journalism, it doesn't have to be technical writing. I think actually just good practice in clear writing in general will bleed over into helping you write high papers that are just better organized and easier for readers to understand and communicating your points more clearly will help convey your research ideas better. Okay, and so when you wrote your first Kai paper, did you have that experience or did, was that some learning process for you as well? Like what, what did you feel your personal journey was in terms of learning how to write Kai papers? I've always loved writing. So when I was an undergraduate in college, I took a lot of creative writing classes, fiction writing, poetry writing, playwriting, autobiography writing. And I actually think that general 
just background and like not having a fear of writing was really helpful when I started to tackle Kai papers. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. That was a great nugget of information and thank you very much for your time. Great. It was nice to meet you. Thanks. Hey, you're listening to How to Write Kai Papers, Episode 1, Interviews from Kai 2019. I'm still Leonard Naken. I really hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We've just heard interviews with seven researchers, and we've got seven more to go. You know, I really enjoyed this process of meeting my heroes and my colleagues and really just the stars of the Kai community by just walking up to them and asking them some random questions. Everyone, you know, was very kind and very helpful in their advice. Kai is really just a great community to be a part of. So I really hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Hey, this is Lennart uh, with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast. And with me today is... Christina Höck from KTH. Awesome. And she has a wonderful wealth of experience in writing papers, reviewing papers, working on committees, doing a lot of Kai-related work over the years. And so obviously I have to ask her what goes into writing a Kai paper. Can you maybe share with us a funny story about writing a Kai paper or some tips and advice that you've come across? So apart from the obvious uh, answer that you need good quality research and so on and so on, I think what is different with Kai from other places is that you actually have to put a lot of work into your English and into making beautiful sentences, almost to the level of poetry. Uh, and so this is what we work with the most, I, I would say, you know, just working through the text over and over and over until it's polished and beautiful in every sense. Nice. And so I know that Swedish people are very good in speaking English. Have you ever had uh, work with a, an editor or somebody that uh, knows a little bit more about the English language? Or is it just Swedish people generally just have, know enough English to work through it over time? You know, it takes ages to get there. I think the trick is to find yourself your favorite American or your favorite uh, Englishman or Scottish or, or, you know, one of those guys who actually knows the language and then work with them. Make sure that they publish together with you. And that's a good way of learning. And honestly, you know, you look at the statistics and you, you get way easier uh, paths into Kai if, you, if your first language is English. So, yes, sorry to all the, those who are not native speakers. You have to work on it a lot. And, you know, yes, maybe pay someone. I've never done that, but I'm sure that is a good idea. Cool. So, good tips about improving your English. Thank <laughs> yes. you very much. Yes, thank you. Hey, this is Leonard with How to Write a Kai Paper podcast, and I have with me today... Anirudh Joshi, IIT Bombay. And Anirudh has a lot of experience working on committees and working with Kai, working with Interact, working in lots of different interaction venues, has edited, has reviewed, has written lots of papers, and got all that experience about writing papers. So obviously I want to ask him what goes into writing a good Kai paper or what are some of the experiences that he has had with writing papers? So I would say make it blindingly obvious what is it that you have done. Very often I read paper, I don't understand what the hell has exactly been done and so it is not clear uh, whether this paper is a new paper, I mean, they've done something new or something old. So make it absolutely clear what is new in your paper. And how do you find out what's new? Well, you compare what others have done and what is unique about what you have done and then just make that very clear from the line one. 
uh, I'll borrow a line from Keith Vartinen. He says, it is not a murder mystery. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for that blurb. <laughs> hey, this is Leonard with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast. And I am here today with... Annika Varn from Uppsala University. That is awesome. And Annika has actually been the external to my PhD a while ago or like a committee member and uh, has done a lot of committee work for Kai over the years and seen a lot of behind the scenes. And so I'm very excited to ask her what makes a good Kai paper or are there any stories that you can share with our listeners here in terms of what goes into a great Kai paper? Um, I think that one of the things that is extremely important when you write uh, conference papers in general and Kai papers in particular is that you have one thing to say so one very thing. yeah because very often we do quite complex studies especially the people like us who do qualitative studies um, we come up with so many different insights from the same study uh, and then we try to dis publish something that's just a description of what we did and what we saw but that doesn't really cut it with Kai you need you need to have one thing that you're trying to tease out of the paper uh, of the study and that becomes your paper so I think this a, a colleague of mine says put your head in one guillotine like there's one thing you prove in the paper and, and make the whole story of the paper talk about that one thing is, is one of the that, that would be my recommendation yeah. nice so, so that would be my main recommendation that would be your main so let me ask you um, then if uh, you should have one main contribution. What do you think about people that are doing highly interdisciplinary work and they may be doing something with education and games and medicine? And so what would you say for those people? Uh, should they be writing three different papers then? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I really think they should be writing three different papers and that also like increases their overall productivity. <laughs> so true, I guess yeah. it's um, a good thing as well that it works like that. Um, the The other thing I think that you should always think about is that uh, com uh, conference review processes are quite short term, uh, which means that it has to also be clear in the paper very early what it is about. Um, because if you confuse the reviewers in the first two, three pages, mm. um, then they're going to be confused about a paper. And that's not their fault. It's just that they have so little time they see your paper for the first time and they're not really going to get another chance to look at it when you have improved it so so um, that that's the other tricky thing with publishing at conferences is that you have to make not just make one message but also make it super clear already in the introduction basically yeah yeah um, so and this brings me to an interesting point. So like you said, if you do qualitative work, is there a trick of telling a good story with qualitative work then? Like how, like in your experience, you do a lot of qualitative work. Yeah, what, what's the best way of presenting that then? Oh, that's <laughs> a, good, a good question. But, but basically you follow the same structure and as in quantitative work, you have an introduction that motivates why this is a good thing to do and, and what sort of general context why are you in this at all um, and I'm pointing out what is your contribution how what little tiny baby step do you do in your work um, and then you do the same thing you do a background you do a method you describe your method really carefully and even in qualitative work it's often desirable to have a, a little bit big, bigger at, um, data collection 
Uh, so, so Kai will often reject papers if you have very few people that you have worked with. Ethnography, ethnography is a different thing, but if you have an empirical study, you should at least have a little bit of body of data. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I found really important in Kai is that it's super hard to publish on something that's a bad design. Oh. Um, which is kind of bad. I mean, we should be be better at taking papers that are about failures. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is very, very hard to to publish at CAI in general. And and if you want to publish on a failure, you really have to deconstruct and analyze that failure in in, um, a theoretically sound way, basically. Uh, try to tie back to good theories, um, have a combination of some kind of overview over the data, but also insights from the specific uh, dialogues, interactions, whatever, have a lot of examples. Uh, base your claims very soundly in connection to the examples and the, the, the data that you're bringing forth in the article. So. Make sure that basically people believe you when you say something. So this is my conclusion. If that doesn't tie to exactly what you described in your data section, then that's also going to go, yeah, <laughs> wrong. Don't overclaim. Claim the right thing. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then the, you will always get the question. So how does this implicate for design? So the so implications for design is one of our hated parts, mm-hmm. ever hated parts of a Kai paper <laughs> um, that we try to avoid writing, but, but we do have to write them. And again, implications for design are, are super tricky because you don't want to say too much. Um, but at the same time, you have to say something that people can take from the paper, yeah. something that's substantial. Um, but in general, I say that you can never give people advice on what they are going to do in their design project because they are all very different. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Hi, this is Leonard with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast and I have with me today... Hi, I'm Benko. I'm from Facebook Reality Labs. Awesome. And you've worked a lot in terms of behind the scenes, organization for Kai, lots of experience with papers. So obviously my question for you is what goes into writing a great Kai paper? What makes a great contribution? And maybe some nuggets of insight that you can share from behind the scenes at Kai. Hmm. Well, if I learned something over the years is that there's no like one great type of Kai paper. I think Kai is a very diverse community, so there's lots of different things. But I think there are a few nuggets that... Um, about how you write the paper that actually makes a difference. So uh, this might have been already mentioned by some of your other podcast guests, but I think to me one of the most important things is that you want to say your contributions three times in the paper. You want to say them up front. You want to say them in the paper as, as well. So like introduction already, by the time you read the introduction, it, it should be very clear to the reader what, what you're really all about. What like Don't hide anything from the reader. Don't have a magic surprise in page seven. It's never going to work. So by the end of page one or two, you, you better have a bullet point list or some sort of list of like, this is what we did. Then you go to the meet and you should explain what you did and how you did. So that's your second time. Then you should say it one more time at the end. In the conclusion, you should say like, we did this. Uh, and this is why it's important. You should also n- nudge the reader towards understanding the applications, how it can be used, how it can be generalized, and how it can be followed up such that... that when the reader and a reviewer reads that paper, 
they can start thinking and imagining themselves like, well, how I could use it, how I can build upon it, how somebody else could do it. And that creates value. That is something that people value. So um, I don't have a topic or a type of paper that actually does it, but any paper that actually follows this rule really well, uh, I think generally ends up pretty well at Kive. Would you say there is a danger if you submit to the wrong subcommittee that even if you have a strong contribution that they might not understand that contribution? I think, um, just like with everything else, there, there are, uh, when you're submitting to a subcommittee, um, you should do your homework. You should take a look at the people and the papers that are on that subcommittee um, and look at their work and look at... Uh, it's a good reflection also of the of the values and the and the the type of work that's valued in that particular subcommittee i personally tend to think that at some point great work shouldn't pass any subcommittee um but i have no evidence of how to sort of support that uh but uh but i do believe that if if the work is solid um it 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 um it definitely should speak on its own it should be highly valid oftentimes also what happens is if, if the work is really submitted to the wrong subcommittee and it's very obvious that these are not the right people uh behind the scenes uh, it gets assigned to the other committee or a, uh, an ac from some other committee or some people from the more appropriate committee get to uh, uh review it as well and take a look at it so uh the system be uh, actually works to the advantage of, of the authors eventually, but it does help to do your homework and start the process well. Pick the, the most appropriate subcommittee, the ones that fits the topic and the, and the type of paper the best. I, I mean, just like good life advice. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Hey, this is Leonard with the How to Write Kai Papers podcast, and I've got with me right now... Aninde, University of Washington. And Anin has worked laboriously behind the scenes like done a lot of great stuff in organizing Kai in the past like running uh, chairing sessions running the entire technical program doing everything related to publishing Kai papers actually in front and behind the scenes like published as an author himself like many many amazing papers so lots of years of experience in how to write Kai papers and I just wanted to know share some of your insights with us and how to write these amazing Kai papers I think the most important thing is to and it's going to be so so obvious but having that really pithy, short, concise contribution statement, you know, and write that right when you're starting the research, right when you're starting the work, write that and then sort of use that as your North Star. Continue to make sure you're, uh, all the research you're doing is, is leading towards that contribution and as you're writing the paper, you keep with that contribution because I can't tell you how many papers we see as, as papers chair or as an AC or an SC where you really want to love this paper but you find that what they say in the contribution statement doesn't actually match what they do throughout the paper. And both would have been, either one would have been fine, but having these two that don't match up is actually what kills a paper. Um, and it, this applies to whether you're doing um, you know, a design fiction piece of work or whether you're doing a technical piece of HCI work. That mismatch between that contribution statement and the work that's actually done really caught. And I, you know, my students and my, we, we fall into this trap all the time. We think, how could these stupid reviewers not see that this is the same it's like and then you know you give it six months and you go back and look at the paper and you say oh you're right you know they're, they're, they're smarter than we are because we couldn't see it so uh, I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice I think the other one is um, in writing uh, 
if you're really passionate about a project, that really comes through in the writing. And I don't know, if this is less a tip on how to write a paper, but it's more on how to pick projects that you really care about because it absolutely shows through in the writing. And it doesn't mean, oh, work on a problem that's going to change the world. It could be, you know, a very technical piece of HCI work. But being, being passionate about it and showing excitement absolutely comes through in the writing and the author and the reviewers get excited along with you nice nice be yeah. passionate and write that contribution statement early <laughs> thank right. you so much right. hey this is leonard with the how to write kite papers podcast and i have with me today albrecht schmidt from the university of munich in germany awesome and albrecht has lots of experience writing kite papers and we're both kind of happy that kai is over this year and so i just wondered for kai next year or any kai for that matter what do you do to get your papers accepted I'm probably one of the people with the most rejected paper, so I'm not really sure if I'm the absolutely right person to talk to, but I think you have to have rejected papers in order to get some in. That's sort of my experience. So I think the first thing is do good research and think later about the writing. I think at the moment a lot of people say, oh, you write a paper and then you do the research. I think there's a fundamental flaw in this. I think go look at interesting problems, things you are excited, things where you really think your research makes a difference. And if you're in there, then think about how the paper will look like, but don't let your research be driven by the paper. Because I think there's one thing to get a paper in, but there's also, the paper will stay out there in the digital library for a long time. And if people in later life, if they hire you, if they look at your work, it's not about sort of what's accepted, it's really what's in the paper. So my advice is really try to do some really interesting stuff, meaningful stuff, stuff that you think is methodology-wise correct. It's, it's sort of solid work. Think about how you write it up, but don't sort of change your research because you can write it up better. You have higher chances of getting it in. And I think if you talk to most senior people, we have a lot of rejected papers, and eventually they turn up in, be it in Kai, be it in another Sikai conference, be it in a journal, be it somewhere else. So really, I think, don't, don't get hang up with, I'm doing it for this paper and I structure the paper and then I do exactly the piece of research I need. Really go the other way around. Do research that's meaningful and uh, my experience is those things get in. They may take a year longer or two years longer and sometimes sort of if it's rejected, you're angry and you look at the reviews and they are not so stupid and you, you just do another round and if, if it's based on solid research, doing the other round doesn't really hurt. If you have just done research for that paper, doing another round is not really possible very often. So that's my, my, my short advice. But I think there are probably better people out there to ask. Well, that was still wonderful advice. Uh, stay true to yourself and just make that paper happen eventually. Thank you very much, Albert. Thank you. This is Leonard here at Kai. I have with me... Derek Riley from Dalhousie University. Awesome. So Derek's been pretty involved in Kai, and I just wanted to ask him, Derek, what goes into writing a great Kai paper? Great research. Uh, that's about it. I mean, really, everything flows from that. Uh, if the research is solid, if you have exciting results, uh, that is what makes, that's the core of a good Kai paper. Of course, there are things you can do to present your, your work more effectively, however, At the end of the day, it's exciting, impactful research that counts. And what would you say is impactful research at Kai? Ah, oh, wow, <laughs> what a question. <laughs> it kind of depends on what community within Kai you're targeting. Um, you know, uh, we have a whole range of different 
research questions and research approaches and methodologies at CHI and uh, many sub-communities with different uh, focuses and, and therefore different research approaches. So it kind of, it, you know, it, it sort of depends. So we were just at a bodily play uh, yeah, uh, right, conference a session and, uh, you know, there... You know, there's a lot of room for uh, conceptual innovations, ways of thinking about bodily play, ways of moving in new directions for design. Um, and so those types of papers, those conceptual papers can be very impactful. Um, and then there's also a lot of room for insanely cool, ridiculous innovations as well within that, con within that context. However, if we were in a, a different sub-community, uh, let's say software engineering, um, it would be a completely different, uh, you know, a set of uh, rules for what makes, uh, yeah, what makes good So you would research. stress the importance of choosing your sub-committees, right? Like in knowing where you uh, submit. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. So it's, okay. that's very important, yeah. Okay, sure. sweet. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Sweet. So this concludes our interviews from Kai 2019. I had a great time asking all of these authors about the things that are closest to their heart uh, when it comes to writing Kai papers. And we've gained some really cool insights here. Uh, a lot of people have said, you, you know, if your work is not put in context, if you haven't situated things right, you're going to eventually end up having a problem, right? Like that was something that Susan really stressed. I think it's, it's really cool that some people like Andy and Annan, they really made a point out of making your contribution clear. And Andy even said that 30 word contribution statement should be right there at the start. So, you know, as you're going through writing your Kai papers right now, really think about having that contribution statement up front and center and, and make it a, a passionate claim towards your research. I think that really shows in the final paper and that's really something that you can relate to and that you, you can really make a difference with uh, the paper. Uh, and I think a lot of people have emphasized that, yeah, of course, you, you got to have the great research, right? Like that was something Derek said, Albrecht said, uh, you have to do the good research. It's not just about the writing. It's also about um, doing the good research and, and really having a, a good idea. And, and I think everyone that I've interviewed has said that at some point. They've said, you know, this is really the, the core of it. But it is also about making it obvious on, on how that research is good, right? So that you're really... Um, making that uh, evident for people that are reading the paper. I think what Banco said is really good there to, to repeat that contribution three times in the paper, right? Like make sure that is really understood. Make sure that that contribution is clear and that people can really take that away. And then of course, um, I think another big thing that a lot of people mentioned is the motivation. How does your paper fit into the bigger picture, right? Like, how does your work advance the state of the art? Um, how do you really make sure that it's something that is worth reading for other people? Don't forget about that. Don't get carried away by your research and by your procedures. It's it's important to have a really clear procedure. It's important to choose the right subcommittee. Uh, you've seen me ask that question over and over. And I think there's a real skill to, to selecting the right committee. But at the heart of it is that the research needs to be good and that you need to be able to write that research up and make it clear in how that research contributes to the community at large. So uh, finding all those bigger implications and why should anyone really care about your results? Like and make that clear in the abstract and the conclusion, of course, and in the rest of the paper. 
Uh, I think it's really beautiful to get all these different perspectives and I, I wish you all the best as you're going into your paper writing process and we'll have more episodes with more nuggets, uh, not necessarily all interviews, but other pieces of advice that are directly taken out of my How to Write Kite Papers course and I'm looking forward to sharing all of this information with you. I'm really keen on hearing back from you, so if you feel like you want to get engaged with uh, this podcast and get engaged with me, uh, please feel free to just send an email um, back to me. You can reach me at leonard.nacke at acm.org. That's my official email address. You can find that on a lot of uh, different publications. Um, you can also just find everything on the website of the How to Write Kite Papers course. And of course, um, feel free to reach me on Twitter as well, where you can find me at academic. And um, I'll be happy to get in touch with you. Um, there's also other platforms, LinkedIn and all the other stuff where you can find us. Look, Google for the HCI Games Group. That's my research group. And we're happy to get in touch with you. And hopefully um, you can learn a lot from listening to this wonderful podcast. So thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.